Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Mindful Manager Podcast. My name is Art Burns. I'm your host, and I'm here to tell you about mindfulness and uh, to talk about mindfulness practices and all the benefits that we can get from these practices, which are, you know, almost, you know, innumerable. Uh, but specifically, what we talk about here is we talk about the stress reduction aspect, which is very closely tied to the emotional intelligence aspect. And of course, uh, we kind of gear things towards the workplace, you know, because this is the mindful manager, right? Um, how However, I want to be very clear that, that this is not where any of this ends, right? Um, we're not just talking about the workplace, and we're certainly not just talking about uh, stress reduction and emotional intelligence. Virtually every single person in the world could, could benefit from, from using more mindfulness uh, uh, in their lives, you know, more practices of mindfulness that will uh, will in, enable them to uh, to sort of be more mindful. And and being mindful simply means you know paying attention to what's happening right here, right now, uh, without judgment. You know, and that that's really all it is. <clears throat> and um, the wonderful benefits of this, I mean, again, outside of stress reduction and outside of emotional intelligence, you know, just general happiness, you know, happiness, emotional resilience, um, you know, productivity, the ability to focus, you know, just I could go on and on and on with the benefits that that uh, that are available to you through these practices. But um, but the most important thing that I like to talk about here and, and really, you know, very important that it gets mentioned. That's why I mention it every single day is that these are practices. Right. And the reason why we call them practices is because they must be practiced, right? There's no, um, it, it does no good to just simply learn these about these practices and the concepts behind them. Uh, I mean, it's not that it will do no good. It certainly will help you on some level, but it will not get you the benefits that we talk about here in this, in this uh, podcast. Um, you know, really there are two ways to learn things, right? That you can learn things on a cognitive sort of level where, whereby you are reading and you're watching. Uh, watching videos and you're listening to podcasts and you're, you know, just absorbing knowledge and information, right? Uh, and that's going to use a certain circuit in your brain to, to actually, you know, learn these things. And that's the same way we've learned things throughout our schooling and, and in, you know, training in our, our, our workplace and all that, right? <clears throat> but there's another whole way in which you can learn. And this this involves practice, right? This it, it involves a completely different circuitry in your brain, right? When you when you practice by doing something and you learn that way, it is a completely different circuit in your brain that's being used, and therefore it's a it's a completely different type of learning that you're that you're absorbing, right? And so that's where that's where mindfulness comes in, or that's that's really effective in in thinking about mindfulness or in practicing mindfulness is that we we want to use both these circuits of our brains, right? We don't want to just learn about them because you know when we just do that what happens is you know it, it might help us to a certain degree it might help help us for a certain period of time but eventually what will happen is our our old habits and our old sort of mindsets will come in and take over and eventually you will kind of revert back to wherever you were before you learned about this mindfulness right and so so that's why again you know at the risk of repeating myself I'm going to tell you that that practice is absolutely key to this okay Okay. And so, um, so yeah, so what we do here is I talk about a lot of different practices. Now, every Wednesday, I give you a formal practice that you can do. Uh, you know, it's a guided meditation. You can just literally plug and play right along with, with what I'm saying. You know, just um, one of the things that I like to do here is I like to demystify these practices, you know, because a lot of people, um, you know, a little standoffish when it comes to meditation, you know, because it feels like, well, you know, I'm not a yoga person. I don't do this. I've 
never done this before. I don't feel like I belong and all this kind of stuff. And so, uh, so one of the things I try to do in this podcast is to, to make you understand that that is not, it doesn't disqualify you, you know, just, you know, regular people can do this. It doesn't require any special, um, you know, positions. It doesn't require any special equipment or, or mats or bells or gongs or, or oils or incense or any of this stuff, any of that that you've, you've heard of, you know, I'm not saying that it's completely useless and that there's not a place for those things, uh, in the meditation world, you know, but, but it certainly is not necessary to meditate. Okay. You can meditate while you're sitting at your office desk, at your office chair, at your desk, okay? You can meditate at the dining room table. You can meditate on a park bench. You can meditate in your car while you're sitting in a, in a safe place, like in a parking lot. I don't recommend meditating while you're driving because that could get very, uh, get kind of dangerous, you know, specifically when you start closing your eyes. <laughs> but, um, but the point that I'm making is that, is that meditation is much more accessible than, than a lot of people give it credit for. And so, um, and so, yeah, so, so every Wednesday I give you a guided meditation that you can do while you're sitting at your office or in the car or wherever. Um, and then every Friday, I also go over a specific uh, informal meditation. Now, when you when you talk about like Buddhists, right, like like the way that Buddhists practice mindfulness, it, it's, um, you know, to Buddhists, mindfulness is always meditation, right? But that means, it doesn't mean that the only time you're being mindful is when you're sitting there doing a formal meditation. What they consider it is, is like two types of meditation. It's no different from what I talk about. Okay. There's, you know, for, for them, I think they call it, uh, Vipassana and some Samsa or some, again, I'm not a Buddhist, so I don't know exactly. You can look that up. Uh, but one is, is sitting in, in formal meditation, right? Where, where you're sitting in a, a, a certain position and you have your eyes closed and you're, you're meditating on the, on the sensation of your breath, the same way that I've taught you how to do here. Um, and then the other, uh, meditation is informal meditation, which means, to, to sort of just practice this ability to be present with everything you're doing at all times. So, so in America, we simply call that formal and informal practices, okay? And so, and so the informal practices I give you every Friday, and I also talk about them during every other um, episode here. And, um, and the, the purpose of these two types of meditations is to, is to sort of complement one another, right? And, and sort of, you know, make sure that you spend some time doing an, uh, a formal meditation every day. But, but then, you know, when you're not doing a formal meditation, it doesn't mean that you're not meditating. It means that you're, you're constantly trying to just apply the same principles of meditation or the same principles of mindfulness, which is to say paying attention on purpose in the present moment without judgment. You're trying to do that in all the other areas of your life. And, and the way that I like to tell people to do that is to, you know, is to apply it to, you know, the mundane things in your life, the really simple sort of drudgery of your life. Okay. Um, it's about, you know, being mindful while you're washing clothes, while you're folding clothes, while you're washing dishes, while you're doing the ironing, while you're walking through a grocery store, while you're at work, walking from your desk to the printer to pick up something that you printed, uh, when you're making coffee or tea, when you're making food, while you're eating your food, when you're taking a shower, when you're brushing your teeth, when you're getting dressed, when you're doing all of these just normal mundane, you know, sort of, uh, tasks of your life, you know, you can constantly be applying mindfulness to these tasks. And when you do that and you get into the habit of doing that day after day after day after month after month after month, you know, you, you wind up then, then really becoming, you know, mindfulness becomes your sort of default setting, 
right? And, and you're, you're just almost all the time, you're, you're in a place of mindfulness. And when you're in a place of mindfulness, it's really, really hard for things like stress to creep into your body, right? Because, you know, stress is always based on a level of fear, right? That is either the fear of an actual, you know, happening, an actual experience, like a, like a tiger chasing you, right? Or, or it's based on your thoughts or your emotions, right? And now you're not going to, mindfulness is not necessarily going to help you with the tiger, right? If you see a tiger, you'll go into the stress response. And that's when you should go into the stress response. That's really the only time you should go into the stress response is when you sense a, a physical present danger that they could end your life, right? Like that's what your stress response is for. The trouble is that, that in modern society, almost nobody ever gets triggered because of that kind of stuff anymore. We get triggered because of our thoughts and our emotions. And that's where mindfulness can help you because in mindfulness, you, you start to, you know, again, you give your mind a focus, right? A, and a focus on the present moment, a focus on your breath, a focus on, on, you know, the ability to focus on what it is that you're doing, folding laundry, cooking food, et cetera, et cetera, you know, and, and when you do that, then your mind doesn't wander off into these other areas, right? And, 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 and start to, you know, create thoughts of that, that inspire fear in you, right? Which, which then those fearsome thoughts are what create uh, the stress response, right? So, so, so that's the way in which being mindful will, will alleviate the, or, or just sort of make you impervious or immune to the stress response, right? It just can't get in. And that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it all, right? Um, so here's the thing. <laughs> I was doing some research this morning um, and uh, I came across some, some really kind of staggering uh, facts and so, some statistics here. And I wanted to share these with you uh, because, you know, again, one of my uh, most, um, you know, one of my uh, uh, biggest focuses here in my career is is with um, is with stress reduction, right? The the idea is that um, you know I have always felt that that a lot of people are out there, um, you know. Um, <clears throat> living with stress on a level that they, they really shouldn't be. It's not helping you. It's not, you know, adding to your life and it's actually taking away a lot of things in your, in your life that are, um, that are, they're really going to make you, you know, less than happy. And it's also going to bring you away from your ability to, to sort of thrive in your life. Right. Because the thing is that, that stress is the survival mode of your body, right? Again, it's only designed to help you survive something like a tiger attacking you, right? And, and in fact, the thing that's happening to you when you're in a, a distressed state is the same exact thing that's happening inside the body of a gazelle as it's running away from a cheetah. Right, and it's literally no different. Right, it, it deals with the sympathetic nervous system and the endocrine system, and it's, it involves hormones and the hyperarousal of your entire body. It's the same thing that's happening, folks. And so, here's some statistics that I, I came up with this morning that are um, that are really, really kind of scary. Okay, it turns out that 77% of people in America regularly experience physical symptoms caused by stress. Okay, 77%. That means that 77% are, are living with chronic stress. That's almost eight out of 10 people, right? So, so when you go to Starbucks this afternoon, eight out of every 10 people that you see are living in, in chronic stress, right? Uh, when you go to work, when you're on the bus, when you're, you know, if, if there's 10 people listening to this podcast right now, 
eight of you are, are experiencing stress or almost eight of you are experiencing stress, statistically speaking, right? And I'm talking about chronic stress. I'm not talking about you just get, you had stress last Tuesday and everything's fine now. I'm talking about daily, regular chronic stress, right? And that means that, that 77% of, the, of the, uh, the population of America is living in survival mode. Right. Like like we are literally our bodies are optimized to survive. Right. Like, and, and that is we could do better, folks. I mean, come on. You know, this is life. We're supposed to be able to thrive in this life. You know, we're supposed to be able to get, you know, like like fall in love and, and you know, and and and, and you know, be happy with our, our lives and, and, and prosper in our lives. Right. But how can you possibly expect to do all those things? How can you possibly expect to feel true love and to, and to feel true happiness and to feel true prosperity in your life if you're optimized to survive? You know, because the thing is you can't be optimized for both survival and to thrive at the same time. It just doesn't work that way. Okay, again, this has to do a lot with, with what's called the, uh, the, the central nervous system of the body, right? The central nervous system of the body has a branch called the autonomic nervous system, right? And of that, um, in the autonomic nervous system, there are actually three different branches, two of which are, are involved with the stress, right? And, and involved with the regulation of our body. The sympathetic is, is the sympathetic nervous system is what's, what's uh, sort of thought about. You can think of it as the, the accelerator of the, of the body, right? It's the thing that, that just drives everything up. It, 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 you know, it, it's when you're in a heightened state of arousal, right? Whereas the parasympathetic, sorry, parasympathetic nervous system is, is the thing that, that sort of brings it down. If the, if the sympathetic nervous system is the accelerator of the body, then the parasympathetic nervous system is the brakes, okay? And it brings everything down. It brings everything into, into a state of homeostasis, right? And, and when we're in homeostasis, that's when your blood pressure is operating the way it should. Your heart rate is, is as it should be. Your respiratory system is as it should be. All your different, um, you know, glands and, and hormones and everything are in a perfect balance, right? And there's, you know, there's almost nothing that can stop you from living in the homeostasis, uh, you know, mode of the body, right? I mean, of course, yes, after... 80 or 100 years, most people are going to expire because our, our cells just aren't designed to, to live much longer than that, you know, but, but you can live 80 or 90 quality years if you're always in homeostasis, right? Now, when you're in the stress response, which is the opposite of homeostasis, that's what your design, your body is not designed to live for very long in that, in that way, right? And, and most people will start to break down over time, right? So that's when you get diseases of what they call diseases of adaptation, right? Because when you're, when your heart is constantly in this, you know, higher level of heartbeat, you know, you'll eventually get cardiac disease and a heart attack, right? Um, when your blood pressure is constantly being driven up by the hormones in your body, then, then eventually you will get just chronic hypertension and that's going to lead to hardened arteries and strokes and all kinds of bad stuff, right? And so, by the way, I know I talked about the nervous system, but the other half of the stress response is the endocrine system, right? Which is the, um, the, the hormones, right? So there's certain glands in your body, right? That start with a part of your brain uh, called the hypothalamus, right? The hypothalamus uh, gets a, a signal from the amygdala that says, okay, something's wrong. Throw us into the, into the stress response, right? So then the hypothalamus uh, it you know activates your your glands right you, the hormone producing glands in your body um, your uh, adrenal gland which are just above your kidneys your um, pituitary gland and your um, I guess 
the hypothalamus. Anyway, there's a couple of other glands, but but the, the hormones that are, are produced by these are cortisol, norepinephrine, and adrenaline. Okay, and, and these are the things that drive our body up, right? They, they're the things that make our our you know we just rev ourselves up just like a just like a car, right? If you if you put a, a brick on the gas pedal of a car, how long do you think that thing's going to run before it, it starts to break down, right? And that's what happens to your body. Right. And so that's why for 77 percent of the country, right, of, of America, you know, that, that that's what we're doing. We're, we're driving ourselves into a place of disrepair uh, through the stress response. Right. And so, again, the the way to to alleviate the stress response is so simple, because, again, most of the time or actually 100 percent of the time, stress is caused by a fear, okay, a fear of, um, of uh, you know, of, of a, a threat to our well-being, right? Now, again, it's designed to happen when you see an animal. Like if you're, if you're hiking along a trail and you hear a bear growling in the, in the woods, right, that's when your, your stress response should come into play because your, your, your blood pressure goes up, your heart rate increases, and your, your respiratory system speeds up, right, so that you can get blood and oxygen into the big muscle of your body. So therefore you can either fight or flee whatever this thing is that's going to threaten you, right? But the problem is for most people, 77% of the people, because I'm going to tell you right now, there's no way that 77% of the people in America deal with life and death situations every single day. I mean, some do, right? If you're a firefighter or, or, a, or a police officer, maybe you, you might experience it that on a, on a regular basis. But most people, not a chance. Most people are, are completely, you know, living totally safe lives with every convenience, right? You know, we have, we have a car safety. Safety. We have, um, uh, you know, we have 911 we can call if anything's going on. There's no reason why any of us should feel that our lives are in danger. You know, again, not everyone, right? If you live in a, and this is certainly true that people who live in sort of, um, you know, uh, you know, neighborhoods that are dangerous, right, where you might get shot, you know, walking home one day, then those people are always in every study are shown to be more stressed out than people who are not, right? But, but again, that's still not 77% of the society, right? So, so that's, tells me that most of these people, or at least a very, very large percentage of that 77%, their, their, their uh, fear that is driving their stress response is coming from their thoughts and their emotions, right? And as I said in the beginning here, you know, the idea is that if we can, if we can pay attention to what is happening right now, what we realize is that, is that this thing that we're thinking about that's making us afraid that's going to send us into stress response, it's not going to kill us, right? It's not a tiger who's going to devour us. It's not a bear. It's not a snake. It's not a, a piano falling from a window, right? It's, it's something like it's an email or it's a, or it's a, a concern about, uh, you know, a, a date that you have coming up or it's or it's a, a fear about like your your bills that you, you're worried about paying now that doesn't mean that those things are not worth um, checking out in fact I'm looking at this chart right now 76% of Americans uh, cited money and work as the leading cause of their stress right so um, so so that's you know again it's it's you know but but that doesn't mean that money and work go away just because you're not thinking about them this way but what it means is that you can put these things into 
into perspective. And when you can put them into perspective, you can then, when you calm yourself down from being in the stress response, and this is what I mean by, by thriving as opposed to surviving, right? Because when you're in the survival mode, you're not thinking clearly. In fact, there's a statistic that says um, that, that seven minutes after your body is, you know, after cortisol is released into your body, you lose 50% of your IQ. Right? There's also plenty of studies that show that the part of your brain associated with memory and learning is disabled during the, during the stress response. Right, so, so what I'm getting at here is that the, the thing that is going to make you able to, to handle your money problems and your work problems more effectively, those things are disabled by the stress response. So by getting into a place of fear about them, you're, you're automatically getting into a place where you're not going to be able to deal with the problems properly and, and in, a, and in a constructive way with a, with a favorable outcome. Right. So, so it's like a catch 22, right? Like if you're, if you're feeling stressed, you can't deal with the things that are making you feel stressed, right? So the best thing you can do is to get to a place where you're not feeling the stress. And the best way to do that is to practice, you know, paying attention on purpose in the present moment without judgment, because then you realize that there's really nothing to fear, right? That that bill that's due, you know, you'll live through this. You'll get to the point where you can get, you know, you, you can live long enough to get to the point where you can, um, you know, figure out how to pay that bill, right? But, but it's, you know, as long as we can put ourselves into this, you know, state of homeostasis, we can then sort of figure it all out. Right. And so, so that's what I do for a living, folks. You know, I help people figure this out. I help people to, to do very simple practices, just like I talk about here, um, to, 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 you know, sort of constantly bring themselves back into this this place of homeostasis. That's the key. And that's, and that's all it is. It's, there's no mystery. There's no complication to this. It's very, very simple. And so, and so, yeah, so, so if you just do the practices that I talk about here in this, in this podcast, chances are you will be just fine. If you need any extra help with that, you know, and some people do, some people need guidance and motivation and, and understanding, you know, some people don't really get the practices a hundred percent. Um, some people don't do them a hundred percent. And so sometimes it's, it's accountability and motivation. Other times it's more explanation. Other times it's, it's, you know, more dynamic than that. It can be a number of things, but that's where I come in to help people. So if you or anyone you know is dealing with, with chronic stress, I really, I really, really strongly uh, advise you to give me a call. Okay. And, and let's get on the phone. 15 minutes is all it takes to get on the phone and, and talk about this stuff and, and really get to a better, a deeper understanding of what it is that, that's, uh, that's not working for you and, and that could work for you to, to get you out of this stress response and get you from the mode of survive and into the mode of, of thrive. All right. And so if you, if you would like to get in touch with me, um, two different ways to do that. You can send me an email very simply art at artburnscoaching.com. Or you can go to my website, artburnscoaching.com, and uh, right there on the front page, there's a, a button you can uh, click that, uh, that, that puts you into my calendar, right? You pick a time and a date that works for you. Anything you see open there automatically is open for me. Um, and you just put in your name, your, at your uh, email address, your uh, you know, phone number, and answer a couple of quick questions, and we'll be booked. And I will call you at that day and time. Or we could set it up as a video conference at that day and time and we can talk for 15, 20 minutes and I can help you to figure out how to get yourself out of this level of chronic stress. And I would love to do it for you. 
All right, everybody, tomorrow I'll be back with some, uh, some formal practice for you, and uh, I'm happy to help. All right, so thanks a lot for listening, and I will be back again tomorrow. Take care. Bye-bye.